0: Let's go. Hi, everybody. And welcome to the podcast formerly known as No Country. That's right. Chris Sacknessum, my partner in crime, and I, J. David Osborne, are changing up the brand a bit. Chris, why don't we start off with that? What is Lost Explorers?
1: Lost Explorers is a new... lifestyle brand for thinking, adventurous people who haven't lost their heart and soul to the mechanical, uh, frigid, shriveled, uh, media-distracted world of today. It really builds on everything that, that has grown out of our No Country audience. And we've taken a lot of inspiration from people who have listened to us from the very beginning. So... We really feel we're building on that with uh, a line of publications, uh, merchandise, courses. It's a, this is going to be a, a website-driven magazine connected to the podcast that offers uh, a forum and platform for our community to contribute and, and to share and to build that pirate radio network that we've been talking about. It's, it's our, our people you know and uh, reality is an adventure and nothing is obvious and nothing should be taken for granted and the magic is all embracing all the time the only problem is we get tired we get broken down we get bored we get angry we get overwhelmed with the, the the stupidity often of the modern contemporary scene I think particularly in America and as Franz Kafka said, you two have weapons. You know, there is a way out. There must be some way out of here. Yes, there is. It's the lost explorer way. And we spell that without the E because it went missing. So, <laughs> you
0: know, I, uh, I do, I really enjoy this job. What, this job. What am I talking about? This shift. Maybe I'm speaking too far into the future. Maybe that was a message. Oh, I think it was. Man. I support that entirely. You know, Uh, But what really excited me about this project is that, you know, you and I get together every week and we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about psychic defense, we talk anthropology, we talk current events, and when we initially conceived of the No Country brand, the idea behind that name is that we felt like men without a country, so to speak. And that we were a little bit there was a little bit too much peanut butter in the chocolate, a little bit too much chocolate in the peanut butter to really fit in. Whether that's our unorthodox thinking styles, uh, some of our more dangerous opinions that we that we have, or you know on the other side, not really being able to fit in with those more perhaps extreme people with dangerous opinions. Because at the end of the day, we're just. I consider myself a crypto liberal at this point Um, and and so we didn't really fit but now that we've gotten to this point we want to keep the focus on anthropology but really bring bring that uh, explorative interesting uh, you know lost civilizations um, the terracotta army the pyramids the sphinx The Mayan civilization Which is cool And I will say this Chris and I are psychically linked We've mentioned this before on the show But Chris and I uh, Were talking about this idea And I swear to you Yesterday I have the tweet to prove it I was searching high and low For a podcast exactly like this Which addresses The sort of Indiana Jones-ish Nature of archaeology Which really doesn't exist anymore It's been washed away in this gray the same gray sludge that wipes everything away where we have to you know treat everything soberly and skeptically and make sure that we don't get any of our facts wrong and we have to trust the experts and I was searching for these podcasts and I couldn't find a single one that wasn't either way too academic and equivocating and you know difficult to to really get invested in right a lot of debunking Podcasts, a lot of skeptic podcasts. But then on the other hand, you know, you have uh, podcasts who are like, we, we figured out what the pyramids are. It's a Death Star weapon, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not really, that's not really what I'm interested in either. I'm interested in the esoteric anthropological angle of what these cultures were up to when they were building these massive structures or conducting these strange rituals and I'm just really happy that we're going to be the people who who fill that niche, so to speak.
1: And connected with with the moment, with with living today, I think that's one of the things that uh, our listeners have praised us for, and uh, it's something we're going to emphasize of, of bringing these these issues to life because it's you know it's all one meditation, it's all one species, it's it, mm-hmm. all of the labyrinths of the past are still with us. Uh, They're with us in language, they're with us in dream, they're with us in psychopathologies. Uh, We're going to connect everything to very much a living framework of psychic defense, psychic nutrition, uh, excitement, enthusiasm. You know, we've talked about that word in theos, the gods within. Uh, An energizing positiveness for thinking people who often feel you know kind of on the outside in, in today's commercialized consumer couch potato <coughs> depressed uh, politically divided community and one of the, the the frameworks which is really I think fun and exciting and fun is the key word uh, you can be a monster hunter voyager and Amoroso and, and uh, backyard scientist it's all about fun and the program is uh, is an alternative scouting program. You know, we're gonna have merit badges. We've got major ranks, uh, and we're gonna have merit badges that people will really want to earn. And also, I've already got like 32 interesting suggestions from friends and, and people, part of this network, of merit badges they recommend. So, it really is about the fun and enjoyment of having a mind, being curious, being connected, and actually maybe being grateful, you know, being grateful for being in this weird time, you know. It would have been really cool to be in the city of Xi'an in the Tang dynasty if you were, you know, well positioned within that community. Or maybe in Florence during the Renaissance. You know, it's easy to say, oh I, you know. I, I, I'm i born in the wrong body I'm born out of time well we are in the bodies we're in we're in this moment in time and we're here for a reason and by God there are a lot of really cool reasons you know and we're going to celebrate that so I think it's about explore ignite and celebrate
0: yep and that enthusiasm is infectious to me I I'm very busy as are you we have very busy lives and i think that people you know i haven't been burnt out on podcasting in years i got really burnt out when i was doing the jdo show and the reason why was because i was taking requests from agents to talk to authors that had books coming out on at the time big five publishers but i wasn't interested in those things i was conducting these interviews uh, as a means to gain uh, an audience, essentially, I was treating it very much like a job. This is what I do. I'm an interviewer, and I just could not sustain that pace because lo- lovely woman, but you know, talking to uh, Vincent Price's daughter about her her memoir, which is more of like a spiritual manifesto, it just didn't really didn't light my fire up. So now I have. My creative podcasting output is made up of two pillars. One of them is the Agitator podcast where I talk about Japanese Yakuza gangster films and it's very art-based and craft-based and writing-based. I talk to hip-hop artists on that show, so that's one half of my personality. And then I have Lost Explorers, formerly No Country, which feeds that that thirst for, for knowledge and... Uh, gnosis and, <laughs> and escape from, as Chris was, was putting it, you know, this fatalistic, awful, gray slush of of current social media-driven modernity.
1: That is our, our goal, and what I think is really exciting about this evolution, you know, our, we hear a lot about that idea of evolution, but really so... So few people are really prepared for that at the, the momentary sort of level and I think we are. And one exciting evolution that really is, uh, I can see it forming already, is uh, really including and uh, joining as fellow travelers with more and more really interesting dynamic women. Uh, a former student of mine has some amazing stories to tell. Uh, she has been a journalist down on the border of Inuma, Arizona, and what more mythological, folkloric, anthropological uh, situation could there be than migration, human migration? That is the human story, uh, and it you know it links all world cultures, it links all world mythologies and religions. Crossing the river, crossing the river. I mean, there you have major symbolism from the past that is alive and well today. Uh, Another uh, colleague is uh, a very interesting young woman who was written off entirely. She was flipping burgers in North Vegas at a Wendy's and uh, she had seen her father uh, shot through the head when she was a young girl. And
0: uh,
1: I found her uh, through a mentorship program at uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, I thought, look, I you know wanted to help, and, and uh, she'd fallen through the cracks, and now she's um, she's well on track. She's uh, she's got a Fulbright, and she's done some amazing research. Uh, she had never been to the American South, but she won a grant to uh, research uh, women's hair salons. Uh, you know, we know that uh, hair. Is, is a very important part of black female culture, worldwide, but certainly in America. And the anthropology, the conversations that get had in that world, and, and using some oral history folklore skills, and some interviewing and recording skills, which uh, I've helped her with. So there's, there are people out there who are curious and who are on an adventure. You know, if reality isn't an adventure for you, it's already too late except that we can save you. You know, that's the only way that I think of myself in any way of offering any kind of rescue thing, is uh, to rescue people to get into more interesting trouble, you know? That's, that's the goal.
0: You know, and you mentioned, uh, you mentioned something that I think is really interesting, you know, that we brought up the term Gesamtkunstwerk, like a totalizing work, And the other element of this new direction or new branding, it's a semi new direction for the show, is that it really feels to me to be a strong encapsulation of everything in particular that you have been doing throughout your life, whether it's in the form of your travels all over the world, the novels you've written, the classes that you've taught, all of that coming together in one audio project and it's you know frankly it's where I would like to go when I'm your age I'd like to have something as coherent and helpful as as your world view and your practices are
1: well, I really appreciate that dad especially from you because I think you do know me well and, and you, you share so many resonances and frequencies and I think that absolutely is true you know but um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's finding the way to the heart of the labyrinth. It's not escaping the labyrinth at all. Uh, it's really, uh, it's going right to the center of the mandala, the blowgun target. All of the things that I ever have been interested in, you're right, uh, are finding uh, a magnetic, a psychomagnetic uh, attraction point. And this is the, the hub of it, and this is the way to share it. Um, and there are so many different possibilities. You know? And I think it, one of the things that we've emphasized throughout the, the show from the very get-go, which uh, is beautifully in place with the new direction with Lost Explorers, because it's, it's, it's an enhanced direction, uh, is our interest in language. You know? And here's just a really simple example. I was thinking about how uh, central to my life the malaria experience has been. It, 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 it caused a change in thinking that was on a par with my exposure to psychoactive substances, and you and I have shared you know, some of our experiences there, and I think listeners uh, know what we're talking about. Malaria was, was a mind change uh, of, of significance. But it just occurred to me the other day, after all this time, that malaria is actually an Italian word. And then I started thinking about Italian words. Like volcano and confetti and tarantula and graffiti and propaganda and ghetto. I mean, English has more words from more different major languages absorbed into its body and being, its metabolism, its living metabolism, than any other major language. And so that's another way for us to explore. So we're taking the exploration idea to real heart to heart to soul to genitals to mind there is that's what we're here to do we're here to explore you know
0: absolutely we're also here to eat peanut butter there you go which I was I was trying to do uh, sneakily while you were speaking um being a father is very interesting you get it in where you can fit it in and uh I saw that big bucket of GIF calling my name. Sorry about that, um, but I'm very yeah. I'm very excited about this. This uh, the next, or I'm sorry. This episode will be Lost Explorers, episode one seventeen. We're not starting over. It's a it's a continuation of the project with a new, with a new name. On that note, Chris, what will be uh, your band, your band name for this week? your aphorism for this week, and finally, my imaginative challenge.
1: Okay, okay. The band is called Casual Deformity. Mm. And if people remember Cabaret Voltaire, the band, that Cabaret Voltaire was actually a venue, you know, uh, back in uh, da, Dada days. Um, but it was a punk sort of band that used a lot of really radical video techniques. Uh, So this is a cabaret Voltaire style band, but they're masquerading as, or they're overdubbed with a kind of mutant spando ballet sort of vibe. Real 80s synth sounds, you know, a kind of weird retro flashback, but completely not the more you listen to it. And it's ingrained in every track that actually all of their, everything they're doing subverts that image. And they incorporate really biting, subversive videos, you know, glittering supermodel catwalk scenes, micro-intermingled with visuals of eating disorders, ravaging skin diseases and amputations, you know. The crowd scene versus cancer cell juxtaposition, done relentlessly. Uh, Their lead singer is a male Taylor Swift impersonator, and their <laughs> debut album features a picture of a morbidly obese person as a huge stuffed puppet, and is called "The Beanbag Decree." That's mine.
0: That's incredible. That's the best one that's yet. That's my band. That felt like a. That felt like a short story. Um, and here's... I really. I really dig. That. I especially love the juxtaposition of the glittering models with the grotesquery. It's got a Brett Easton Ellis feel to yeah. it. Kind of a glamorama feel. Yeah, I dig. We it.
1: like Brett. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. That was on my mind too. I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I, I. We certainly have some time for him. Uh, I don't know where his stock stands with other people, but uh, I don't know. I, we, he's all right by us.
0: Yeah, yeah, you have a, a fun story about rescuing him from a bathroom once that you can tell whenever you want to. But uh, that uh, whenever I see him now, I think of that story that you told me, and uh, I just chuckle. the The 90s were it was the 90s, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you
1: yeah, know, we yeah. we are going to bring back the happy hour uh, debrief celebration sort of. Uh, Thing month to month at some point and I I think that's a good time for that because that was a moment that was a moment and it was in its own way it was really inspiring and that's another thing that uh, I think that we really you know that's our our deal is inspiration let other people do criticism and you know bitching and moaning and, and wallowing you know wallowing that's that's not what we're doing here we're uh, we're, we're building rafts and crossing the wallow, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. if we have to rope bridge across the quicksand, we're going to do that, but no. You know, uh, inspiration only is the theme. Uh, okay, here's the aphorism. You know, I, I, I say to, to my students, and I remind myself, you know, that nothing, nothing is categorically inherently obvious. So here's the aphorism. There's nothing at all obvious or predictable about humans speaking different languages, or the number that they have and still do, not to mention the nature of the differences. There's nothing inherently obvious or predictable about that.
0: We shouldn't yeah, especially that. when you when you get into the nature of the differences. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. Entire concepts, entire frameworks of mind are based around what we choose to vocalize and that is one of the central mysteries that I would like to get into on the podcast whenever we can on whatever subject we might be talking about but the idea that there is because you know in my other podcasts I watch a bunch of Japanese films and I'm beginning to pick up on tropes from these films and uh, you know, humor. I start noticing. I start putting, you know, subtitled humor that doesn't quite resonate in English. I start realizing, like, oh, this is a joke, and then sort of investigating what's going on there. But it's fa- It's the difference of Japanese culture or Russian culture, exactly or, for that matter. The the alienness. My first book was about prisoners in a Russian gulag and. I, want, I knew I wanted to do something surreal, and what better way than to write about people that you fundamentally do not understand.
1: Which is now disallowed by you know contemporary culture, or certainly discouraged, when I think that is one of the, the greatest possible expressions of curiosity and engagement with the world. I mean, that's been the whole human story from the very beginning, the Bantu people spreading out over Africa, the Silk Road, on and on and on. It's about trying to, if not inhabit another frame of, of mind and another linguistic labyrinth, but to, to get as close to that as you can, to give yourself a shot at it. How do they? How do these people think? What's going on, you know? That's very exciting. I mean, I think that's the beginning of, of uh, well, the way to live life, but certainly the way to grow is, is a
0: mind, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, my mind is prepared. I'm opening up the second track. I'm opening up a little... It's my own personal trolley problem every week, right? I have to decide which way the train goes. Okay. Well, this
1: is an interesting challenge, imaginative challenge, on two levels. The final delivery is a, is a very interesting form of communication, which I enjoy a great deal. Let's call it the intermittent dialogue, or the telephone, or the one-sided conversation, where you're going to, uh, at the end... Give us uh, your side of a phone conversation with uh, a friend, uh, and so we're not going to—we're going to only hear your words, but through your words, we're going to get a suggestion, a phantom suggestion of the other conversation, which I think is a beautiful conceptual cognitive idea. So much of the world, we're piecing that together, isn't it? Overheard remarks, you know, half-seen things. Uh, I, I like characters in in fiction and, and TV and film that are never seen you know I think all that's very interesting but here's the here's the premise and setup and this isn't too far removed from the truth in a kind of JG Ballard black mirror sense uh, virtual kids virtual kids the Japanese you, know, you have this thing of you could hire family members for various occasions and you know, have people stand in. I love that idea. That's such, such a great Japanese idea. If you ever talk about that on the Agitator show, I want to be in that one. Um, it's yeah. very, very bizarre. But this is a, a situation where this has become normal. And virtual kids are uh, really delivered in a very rich, hologrammatic <laughs> sort of sense. And they're, they were initially introduced into the market as training devices for couples that that needed some working up. A dog wasn't enough. Uh, you know, they, they needed, you know, to really have some a track record. And this may be connected with funding and and tax breaks they get and that it's just kind of a certification program. But we also know that there are people and I'm not saying, you know, this is general at all, but there are people who kind of use their real children as ways to camouflage chaos in their own lives. I think, I think people know what I'm talking about. Um, not pointing any fingers, but, you know, it, it can happen. It can happen to the best of everyone. Uh, so what you've got here is a friend. Let's say a male friend. But uh, he and his partner have embraced the virtual kid idea, but they've stuck with it. They haven't moved past it. There are no real kids, and the virtual kids are not growing up. And your friend is not adjusting to the neurotic truth of the matter. And you're staging an intervention. Uh, you and Rios have launched into uh, actual parenting. Uh, it's becoming uncomfortable for uh, you know your child to interact with hologrammatic virtual uh, realities that are seen by the parents to be you know, genuine and simply aren't. It's an adjustment to what is increasingly in your mind a kind of psychopathology that even though it's accepted by uh, society currently, um, it, it's simply not acceptable uh, <laughs> to you and you're staging an intervention to try to wean your friend and his partner away from a very strange technological dream. They're trying to get other people to believe it. Uh, What do you think of that?
0: I think that sounds good. I think that sounds good. You had my brain going at the initial concept, so I was thinking of different uh, scenarios, but I like the direction of this. It's a one-sided conversation that I'm having on the phone with my friend. About his <clears throat> uncomfortable attachment to and unwillingness to move on from a holographic virtual child. No, wait, is it a hologram that's walking around, or is it like a Pokemon on a screen?
1: No, it's it's a it's more fully it, it it's more fully dimensionally there. It, it's as ghostly and haunted gotcha. uh, as can be. But it, it's it's it, it purports to be uh, as realistic as as the technology can deliver and let's add to this that you're you're conducting this conversation <coughs> via phone because you don't feel comfortable doing it in person because uh, the the presence of these ghostly children that are not aging uh, that are not you know it's just this strange loop that your friend has, has mm-hmm. lost uh, himself in with his partner um, mm-hmm. and you, you have You've chosen the phone as really your, your best vehicle uh, for delivering this
0: uh, helpful uh, intervention. Mm. I've got it. It needs work, but I've got it. Okay, cool. Um, that's what the hour and change or so is for is to get the, get the thoughts going. Okay, so we've gone over our new direction. For lost explorers we doing we doing the x just the x lost x yeah explorers? yeah okay because cool. that e cool. is going like missing that. like,
1: that's where we're looking for the e you know the most common letter in the, the english egg, alphabet egg. we're you know we've lost it and uh, that's one of the many things we're in search
0: of you know i like it besides that what would you like to talk about here in the, in the body of the program today?
1: Okay, well, I think this is uh, going to be a good example of, of how we are trying to perform a connection with some ancient uh, programs, systems, protocols, uh, song lines in Indigenous Australian terms, uh, and how that links to today or not and I started with that idea of song lines. You, we, we've talked about that. Um, you actually introduced, there's a beautiful book by uh, the late Australian author Bruce Chatwin, who was a lost explorer for true, uh, called The Song Lines, which um, we strongly recommend. Um, but they're, they're lines of, of storytelling and community and connection that, that really define a culture. And they're very, uh, synonymous, I think, uh, with uh, our notion of the ghost radio signal as, as a notion of, of, of what connects culture and what defines culture, independent of things like technology and uh, you, know, certain ritual practices. Um, things like marriages and funerals are, 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 are so common they may not say that much about culture, but song lines and storylines uh, do. They they really do say a great deal, um, and that got me thinking of something that uh, is another thing that we've we've talked about, and I think it's helpful to try to leverage. Um, I'm back dealing with with students who are much younger than you are, but I think that one of the tricks in life is to, to try to to get something uh, meaningful and inspiring and refreshing from every relationship we have across a spectrum of ages. So I thought I might start with something that is before your time, but something that you can still connect to. But it was absolutely crucial to my late childhood, early teen period, and I think it looms very large within popular culture still as a kind of decaying framework, a lost city, if you you like. And it's top 40 radio, AM top 40 radio, um for, for anyone curious about this, look at the golden years. Just Google on like say, the top 10 billboard hits from 1968 to, the, to 1980. And you will see an enormous and obvious uh, level of diversity and inclusion which our era today claims it, it, it supports. I don't think it does that at all. I think I think top 40 radio in America, was remarkably divergent, absolutely remarkably divergent. And the only uh, structural limitation, which did get broken down by a couple of very famous songs, uh, was the time limit of the pieces. You know, there was a kind of a rigid commercial structure. But if we take that idea of, of that being a very uh, commercial, absolutely essentially pop, mainstream, delivery mechanism of storytelling and song Top 40 Radio was really, really quite amazing I mean, I I think it was great that FM Radio came along and we got to hear a whole Pink Floyd album you know, that was cool and I think it's sad that AM Radio has descended to the sort of squawk back you know, uh, talk show radio format that it has but I wanted to throw that out as a model of what real diversity and inclusion uh, means, or what it meant at one point. Um, And then here's a third point. So this is is another, the the exercise here for you is to connect these three dots if you can, and you can because you're brilliant at that. This is one of your geniuses, Mm -hmm. one of them. The second thing I thought about was, the first email I got today, was add Sandra to your network. You know, she has Mm -hmm. two connections Mm -hmm. with you. And this is on one of those silly platforms, you know, Alignable or LinkedIn or God only knows. And I thought, well, you know, I understand that. I mean, David and I, this is our point. We're trying, you know, we're, we're networking. We're trying to really, you know, create community. That's a reasonable sort of goal. What's wrong with this? Why don't I instantly want to add Sandra to my network? Uh, well, A I don't like the enforced recommendation. B I don't have any idea why or you know who she is. And C or three having two connections, you know, that sounds to me like an algorithmic approach to community and, and song lines and storylines. That sounds to me what like a weird AI approach to developing human culture is about. And I wonder if that's not a little bit too true of where we're at now, okay? Uh, So there's a connection there. I think you've got two strong, you know, two points in space to find a line. Uh, So we've got a line sort of building. Now I want to dimensionalize it with a third point. And this is an experiment that maybe people have done, but anyone can do it anytime. I'm sure there are some big transmission, power transmission lines nearby where you live. Not far, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. You could, just after dark, take a fluorescent tube, you know, like the kind you find, you know, just like a light. Um, And you could take that tube and walk under the power lines. And what happens to it? It starts to glow. I don't know. It starts to glow. Mm -hmm. And that's weird. That's magic. That's science. And that's really quite cool and very, uh, well, it's it's possibly disturbing too. But the notion that power lines transmit energy is a little simplistic, as in the electrons moving. The electrons are moving a lot, but they're not moving in a line down the power lines. That's not what's going on. Fields, electromagnetic fields are what's happening. And that has a lot to do with the notion of transmission. You know, transmission today, we think about that, I think, in terms of electricity, if we think about it at all, and we don't think enough of it. And we think about it in terms of disease. uh, We should think about it more in terms of language and culture and ideas. But how things get transmitted are very, very mysterious things. And we're looking for metaphors and analogies and possible models of how, uh, how ideas are transmitted, how culture is transmitted. And the idea that you could take just a plain old fluorescent tube, which doesn't appear to be plugged into anything, and walk under a power line, and it comes to life in animist magic terms to me is very very interesting and a little bit of a hint about maybe how things do move around you know the field theory idea is is something that we're only really just beginning to explore and perhaps we need to expand our definitions and our parameters for that but those are three uh, dots to connect top 40 radio adding Sandra to my network, which I'm not going to do sadly. Sorry, Sandra. And the fluoro tube under the power lines. Got a explorer on us, David.
0: Okay. Excellent. We'll start with the radio. And we'll start with... Did you watch the film Get Back? Yes. The Beatles documentary? There's a great scene in Get Back where Paul is, is writing Get Back and it's an unbroken shot I believe it goes on for 5-6 minutes and he's playing this riff and sort of mumbling a tune because he doesn't have the words yet and before you know it the song pops out almost fully formed in that moment and I got goosebumps when I watched it because what you're seeing is a mysterious creative field at work right Right. he's not he's not connecting dots on a page he's not checking boxes and he's not uh, he doesn't have anything in mind other than writing this tune so i want to put a pin in that for just a second if you met sandra at a bar and the two of you were having drinks, you would know immediately that you are different. Sandra might be a different age than you. Sandra might be a different political persuasion than you. But throughout your, let's say, 45-minute conversation at a bar, you might find points of contact and points of interest that lead you to being natural, organic friends Maybe more than friends. Who knows? That's an instance of two fields coming together and the mysterious interplay happening, right? The LinkedIn, and I like that it's called LinkedIn because you—I th- actually think of a of a chain of chain link. That is the focus on the on the power line instead of the field. Yes. Oh, I think. God, you're good. Yes. Yeah. yeah so what? what you're what you're getting at and this can go back to the radio as well is that everybody in in the in the 60s 70s 80s everybody knows what a what a good song looks like i've been watching this documentary for another podcast that i'm going on it's a four hour uh, video shot in 1998 of the band faith no more recording their classic album angel dust and you are watching them in there and they're communicating to each other what exactly they want but they're doing it through these animalistic grunts and when oh when you get to the part that's i want to i want to hear it go like so there it feels very intuitive and uh, the the producer who's working with them is communicating with them in the exact same language what happened there's a great book on this called hit makers is that in the early 2000s, the early aughts, a total of six Swedish producers unlocked what they called the magic formula for pop music. It's mathematical. It's something that you can follow to a T and it has made those six men absurdly wealthy, absurdly wealthy, because they're responsible for fully half of all the hits that we've heard on the radio since that time. Now that what they did is they constructed a power line they constructed a power line to do this right and the problem is is that a power line with no fields of energy around it is just a piece of metal steel yeah right yeah it's it's nothing it's nothing so I think the focus like seeing the seeing the line instead of perceiving a field is what's going on these days everything is an algorithm right everything's the algorithm i was looking up tor hired all books on amazon and the the poor algorithm just didn't know what to do it offered me some john Steinbeck. that's pretty good i guess and then uh, a book about the holocaust which i don't know what the connection between contiki and the holocaust is but i don't think amazon's algorithm knew either so everybody's trying to assemble these lines because whoever controls the, the power plants and the, and, the, and the communications infrastructure controls the world, essentially. But in all of that, I don't know if any of these people are even vaguely concerned with where electricity comes from in the first place. I know David Lynch is. Every movie you see is, is threatening, yes. ominous shots of <laughs> of electricity. In Twin Peaks, in particular, electricity is. If there is a, a clear villain in Twin Peaks, it's electricity. Um, so I'll stop there. But I think that that I really like the way you gave those three examples because the idea of the line versus the field is a big one.
1: I'm you you. Really connected that and brought the field to life in a really beautiful way. And I couldn't have predicted exactly how you were going to do that, but I knew you would. And I think that's a really great example of the lost explorer frame of mind that is breaking through frames and expanding frames of mind that we're really trying to get across that, that adventure and anthropology and archaeology are all models and maps and labyrinths themselves as ways to expand consciousness and expand awareness expand enthusiasm and therefore to expand our engagement and our sense of purpose uh, of being here because we're important all of us are important if we find you know our purpose and in our direction there there are a couple of things that we're really I love the, the connection with Lynch and Electricity. I think that is beautifully said. It's, it's a very, very interesting motif that it just is so, so vividly and obsessively pursued in his work that is really enjoyable. And it connects back to a, a, you know, quite a few people. Um, August Strindberg, who's a, a, you know, kind of one of the founders of the modern theater. Uh, a Scandinavian playwright who was a lot more interesting than Ibsen and certainly uh, was very controversial uh, regarding male-female relationships and I think should come back uh, just for that reason alone. He was a genius um, and completely nuts too. Uh, At the end of his life uh, he embarked on the project of, of learning Chinese to to be a formal translator at a very high level, and I think that's a great way, you know, to go out, you know, to say, yeah, I'm going to take on, you know, one of the most complex language civilization structures uh, that humanity has ever produced. Because I'm, yeah, I may be near the end, but it's not over yet. But there's a fabulous uh, book he wrote called Inferno. It's his notebooks of, of living in Paris. And he's he's been he's been through a cycle of, of extreme fame and adulation, and then ostr- just being completely ostracized, and he's had romantic disasters, and he's nuts. And one of the beautiful ways that the nuts gets expressed, uh, Kafka was a big fan of Strindberg's prose works, by the way, uh, his novels. But he uh Strunberg's obsessed. With the infernal electricians who are working through the walls, and he has these paranoid delusions about you know it's it's a, it's like a dark twisted version of Terrence McKenna's Machine Elves. It's fabulous stuff, and I think that we should be a lot more respectful of the animist magic elements of electricity. I mean, I don't know how much more. Uh, Godlike, divine, mysterious, dangerous, uh, bizarre, uh, any force could possibly be, and yet we take it completely for granted, until something weird happens, like we get a shock, or the power goes off, you know, it's like, you know, the power being off, just think about that expression, that simple, humble expression, you know, we don't say, well, you know, there's, there's a problem with the electricity grid, and, and the electricity grid is down, we say the power's off, you know? Talk about being disempowered. You know, everyone's about empowerment today. Well, electricity is pretty fundamental to that. So let's get back to that sort of basics. The other thing I love is, and, and I think everyone can relate to this, is this strange algorithmic dementia. When you Google on things that you think should be straightforward, and often are, and then you go down these absolutely bizarre... Labyrinths of of complete non sequitur, uh, schizophrenic disconnection. And you think the computer just does not know what I'm talking about here, and you're dealing with a demented mm-hmm. entity, you know. <laughs> and it, it really yeah. is true. Um, but the the final thing is, and because Tor Hardal is is a, is a huge hero of mine, he is you know certainly high up in the pantheon of uh, the Lost Explorers and we mentioned him in the Psychic Defense Manual but there is uh, a moment uh, you know that in in Contiki that is just absolutely just so wonderful where you know here he's thinking about a pretty radical bizarre theory you know um, and I because I do I have this so much in mind it was something that was in my father's last sermon uh, he ever wrote before he died Uh, and this is uh, a proposal that uh, he put to three uh, compatriots he was a paratrooper during the war and an anthropologist and he looked to fellow adventurers to pursue this radically insane idea and he sent this note to eric and Torstein. Torstein's a wonderful figure in the book. He says, I am going to cross Pacific on a wooden raft to support a theory that the South Sea Islands were peopled from Peru. Will you come? I guarantee nothing but a free trip to Peru and the South Sea Islands and back. But you will find good use for your technical abilities on the voyage reply at once next day the following (laughs) telegram arrived uh coming Torstein that's what we want that's what we want we don't want endless (coughs) provisos negativities yeah there's always so there there are good reasons for not getting out of your chair you know? And here mm-hmm. the response is coming towards you. That's it, right
0: there, you know. hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dig that. I dig that that attitude. One one thing I wanted to go back to when you're talking about the power being off or the power being out, that is a sensation your stomach drops when the power goes yes. out. Yes. Because something is very wrong, particularly you live in a desert climate, I live in Oklahoma, Prairie, and when it's July, there were some folks who work for the electric company working on, on lines out here, so the power went off about a week ago, nothing too serious, about 10 minutes each, three times during the day, and each time it happened, you just think, oh, shit. Exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. What happens and now? And it's quiet. And it's quiet, right? Everything is still. There's no hum of the refrigerator. There's no air conditioning. There's obviously no television. Your phone still works. The other point that I wanted to bring up is that, and it's not said enough how incredible Louis C.K. had this great joke where he was on an airplane and they were getting ready to take off and then there was a delay, a slight delay. They taxied onto the runway and the pilot came over the intercom and said, "Uh, sorry, we have a slight delay and Oh, no, no, I'm telling this story wrong. They're in the air, and they offer internet on the plane. And the internet goes down. That's what it is. And the guy sitting next to Louis C.K. goes, great. And Louis C.K.'s reaction is, We're in a metal bird going 400 miles an hour, flying, you know, a mile o- over land and sea. And you just found out that internet even existed on planes five minutes ago, and you're already upset that it's gone. Human beings are being just remarkable for our ability to adapt and immediately be inconvenienced when that, when that new thing goes away.
1: Well, um, that's a beautiful way to, to look at, at. I mean, one of the, the, the ways to, is part of our prosecution, of, of what the notion of modernity really means, because it's a very fluid, flexible, uh, historic Uh, period, which we we may or may not still be in, and it's certainly a very strange mindset, but the difference between adaptation in that positive evolutionary improvisational capacity and a strange degree of a capacity for ignorance, as in ignoring, and then the absolute shock and just disbelief when there's some interruption to what we have come to expect, you know, the magic that we just take for granted entirely, and we completely ignore the strangeness of the situation. I mean, not only is the plane a mile, you know, a mile, up, it's, it's a couple, it's, it's several miles, you know, and uh, you know, if you're at thirty-seven thousand feet, the temperature outside of the plane is like really not something you want to think about and so you don't you don't think about it. you think about well you know all the internet's down it's like oh okay you know and now yeah. I mean that's worshipping the internet the worship of, of that is is a very strange feature of our lives today and without all of the appreciation of the, the countless decisions and triumphs and failures and incredible effort that has gone into today, you know. No one can deal with that, you know.
0: Yeah. And the final thing that has been something that's been on my mind recently, I've been going through a phase that I go through every every couple of years or so where I get on a major health kick. And I start to, you know, supplement with 600 milligrams of garlic in the morning, and I start exercising. I start looking into L-tyrosine as a way to, you know, enhance my dopamine production because, you know, focus is basically the product of acetylcholine, dopamine, and uh, epinephrine or adrenaline, right? It's those things working in tandem, and I've been trying to play chemist with my brain to try to figure out how I can can focus more directly on some projects that I have because I don't have very much time to do them in. So I can't wait for the the muse to strike or for the time to be right when the kid goes to sleep. I have to get things done. But an offshoot of that is that I've had a lot more energy, a lot more clarity, and a real feeling, a, a lust for adventure i've been revisiting the indiana jones films and playing the tomb raider video game and you know just getting into this this wanting to go out and and explore you know what i mean like i want to go to you know colorado and rip a snowmobile down a hill i want to go to a the the sahara desert and just take it all in you know rios is getting to that point too we're we're people who really enjoy travel uh, we've never really backpacked but that's something that I would like to do too I'd love to I saw this video on Instagram of these psychopaths uh, like rock climbers who will you know nail in a bed that dangles off of a cliff and they'll sleep in it I mean that's maybe a level that's a bit too far for me but the spirit is there the wanting to do things is there and in the letter that you mentioned I wonder where that, that went with people, you know? I mean, it might be that, that things are more convenient now. Uh, it might be that people are too busy with keeping up with their 9-to-5 jobs, you know, that whole slave-to-capitalism argument. But I don't, think, I don't think if you paid some people to take time off of work to go on an adventure to Peru, I don't think very many people anymore would even take that. Which is strange because my great-great-grandparents came over to this country from Poland with no earthly idea what they were going to do when they landed and got to Connecticut. (laughs) They just, they were just, well, they ended up becoming farmers, right? Chicken farmers. But they had no clue what they were going to do. Where's that spirit?
1: Well, it's in hiatus mode now. I I think it can come back. I I think that it it is, it's still within the culture. I think that people are scared. I think that they're uh, distracted by technology. I think they're overwhelmed by a whole range of very mundane uh, day in, day out, not just, you know, mundane in the ordinary sense, but kind of relentlessness. And you, you know I, I think the idea is to peel a few of those people away from those herds uh, to show them some uh, canoes and rafts and and to go adventuring in various different ways and that's what we're going to be doing you know looking at this from a whole range of things of you know sharing photographic safaris uh, getting people out into backyard science mode and also getting them reading and and, and discussing things more Uh, I mean one simple sort of exercise which I'm rolling out in a workshop which is really, you know, you don't have to go out uh, with an ice axe or a camel or you know, uh, you certainly don't need a guide for it uh, is to uh, create a 27th letter of the working English alphabet you know, Uh, it's a graphic design, conceptual symbolic thinking exercise but the moment you open up your, your mind at all. You know, uh, Charles Ford, who's one of our heroes, said you can measure a circle starting anywhere. And the, the, the key to the labyrinth is, is the next step. You know, that's the beautiful thing about these, these ideas. They're ancient ideas. Just get people to take these steps and to, to have some sense of confidence. You know, the, the poet, very working class poet James Wright said, the branch will not break. You know, you need to have a little courage, you know, a little guts, you yeah. know, um, yeah. but but mainly a driving curiosity and and a, and some joy, some joie de vivre, you know. And if people don't have that, well, then there is trouble. But it was only a little while ago, and and there were people taking off uh, for all you know parts of the world. And I think we need to connect back with that hope. I think I've shared one of the few. Individual lines of Charles Dickens that I admire. Even now, there are people on their way to meet you. You know, and he didn't mean in a LinkedIn sense. You know, he meant something more mysterious. And stay open to the mystery. And I think there are people who are hungry for that. And those are the people we're trying to reach. Those are the people we want to travel with conceptually, intellectually. Uh, physically, adventurally, you know, always. Mm-hmm.
0: I dig it. All right. Are we ready? Would you like to hear my challenge? Are we ready for the intervention
1: phone call? Okay. I'm excited about this All form, right. this dramatic form, the one sided conversation. Uh, it's sort of like negative space, you know, in, 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 in visual art terms, negative space is a fabulous idea. Uh, but it's, it's also interesting because of course you are in the thick of parenting so lay it on us
0: <clears throat> hey man what's going on oh yeah oh, he's, he's going down for a nap what does that mean did you turn the power off oh right right <laughs> the number generator got it okay yeah hopefully it's a long one this time Mhm. Yeah, I guess you can make as much noise as you want to. Yeah. I usually have to usually have to keep my voice down. But uh yeah, dude, listen. I need to talk to you uh about the kid. Um Look, Rios and I have been talking a lot and uh your little guy is kind of freaking out my little guy. Yeah, glitching through this through the swings. Yeah, that was um yeah, Af- yeah, Gus, Gus spent the two days after that uh, just touching us to make sure that we were solid. So it's really, yeah, it's not good. Well, right, okay. Well, I'm sorry I freaked out on you at Golden Corral, but you didn't download the kids' food update, so you know, watching his transparent hand go through food and then pretend to chew and pretend to swallow. Look, I get where you're going with this. I I can respect that you wanted to understand the challenges that parents were going through, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, you're really, you're confusing tasks and chores for what I do as a parent. Yeah, there's no... Right, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. There's no skin in the game for you because the kid doesn't even have skin. Right? <laughs> so... Well, look, I I get... Listen, I love you. I You know, I'll always be a phone call away, but listen to what I said. I'll be a phone call away. If you ever decide to have a, an actual... Ch- Yes, I said an actual No, I know that it's a slur I know that But listen, when you choose to have a real kid An actual child I've got toys, I've got clothes I've got advice I've even got two hands I can, I can go over there, I can hold the kid While you do what you need to do But until that time This is, it's too twilight zone It's too weird And it's uh, I think I'm done Wow.
1: God, you know, that was just a, a lovely thing. And, you know, I'm just going to remind listeners again, David has not, I never give him any heads up about this, not the slightest whisper of <laughs> suggestion, no briefing notes, no prep at all. This is all real time, and you can hear for yourself that he's, you know, conducted you know, the conversation and really done some, uh, you know, amazing connection of, of points and, and topics throughout, you know, the, the show. While thinking of this, I thought that was beautifully done on multiple levels. I I, I really, I thought the reality of, of the, the, the technological conventions were brought forward very, very simply. And uh, that, I think, does uh, come from, you know, a, a very... Strong writing, reading background. You know, um, you would have seen manuscripts where, uh, you know, people are trying to create some sort of alternative world, and and all they do is just give you exposition about what the rules of the, of the thing are. And you think, uh, you know, I just no, I'm not really. I don't want to do that. You know, it's it's you know, like reading yes. *The Cimmerillion before *Lord of the Rings*. You know, you think, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, get me yeah. onto the story so you beautifully interlaced that there were a couple of moments that i thought were just absolutely fantastic you know the the very uh and, and physicalities of course the, the heart of it and this sort of putting your hand through the food the swing set incident you know that i mean we were there i mean that that is the beauty of of the imagination the creation of a virtual world you know that's that's what really is going on because we were back in that we we were there in that moment that playground part moment of you know, uh, and it was it was a freak out for you know for Gus so that was really I and I and I liked the final tone um, I like you know I'm I'm a phone call I thought that was well everything about that was was really was really well done uh, without too much you know of I've got a real flesh and blood son, and, and you don't, you know, you never really push mm-hmm. that, but you were really delicate about that. Um, so that was really lovely. <laughs> that was lovely.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that was fun. I'm a, I'm not a very good actor, so I was worried about about the the delivery. But I just oh, I thought that was very. I, I think, I think you underestimate is, yourself.
1: Uh, no, I thought that was very well done.
0: I guess acting is just pretending at the end of the day. You just pretend. (laughs) I do like to pretend. But yeah, no, I'm really glad that you did uh, like that. It was funny when I was writing down my notes. I like to give a little insight to my process uh, on these things because I think it's fun. Um, My first note was circled around, which I, I initially conceived of the... Of the virtual children multiplying And finding Gus in a room Kind of surrounded by this very creepy Circle of virtual children Ooh. But I dropped that I dropped that because I couldn't make it work uh, Confuses real children, glitching on the swing uh, Your feelings are wrapped up In an idea, no risk, no death He's napping, what does that mean The power's off, didn't fully Download the food patch cel- and, Oh and then I started taking notes for the show So that that's what I was That's the outline that I was the sketch that I was working with. That's an
1: interesting I I, I always appreciate and I think listeners do too that, that sharing that process. That's one of the most important things that we can do and I encourage that, you know, in my class. I think that, you know, half the deal is is if we understand how we you know each other thinks, we can then maybe get closer to what we're thinking. You know, I mean, it's really understanding mm-hmm. process first. And I'm always interested in, the, in the, the angles and the perspectives that you discard, that you consider and then put to one side. I, I think that's a fabulous thing to, for people to be thinking about. And, and it, it's, it's the roads not taken. They sketch out the roads that we do take. You know? There's a relationship. Exactly. You know, And they're always kind of present. Mm-hmm. And that's true of any kind of imaginative uh, journey or exploration true of any kind of innovation process you know i mean it's it's really it it's the it's the the mistakes made the things not done the possibilities that were looked at and then nah that's not quite you know i'm going to go this other way that's that's really where the the magic of the human mind you know over the last quarter million years that's really the heart of it you know it's that experience Mm -hmm. of no, I don't think that that's not the stone I'm gonna I'll pick up. You know, I, I picked it up, but I'm and not gonna keep it. You know,
0: right? Exactly, and that's what's so important about writing. I think when people have writer's block, it's just in uh, a stubborn refusal to put the to put the the, the trinket down, to put the tchotchke down, yeah, in yeah, and uh, and move in a different direction. No, no, this was my initial idea, and this it's such a good idea, but you you know. It's like trying to get blood from stone. you can't do it you know so you, your your creativity is taking you in a different direction i had to that took me a very long time to learn because the novel that i'm working on now um i'm having to it doesn't look anything like i initially started with and when i say it doesn't look anything like i mean six iterations down the line it's it's a very different book but a good one one, one that actually that i that i enjoy because the rest of the stuff that I initially planned wasn't, just wasn't working out. So I,
1: I think it does take some time being comfortable making monsters and making messes, and you know, really dealing with uh, the trauma, drama, and and just wonder of of evolution. You know, within one's own creative. You know, on the desk, in the mind, in the garage. You know, it most people would say, look, if something is really that different than when you started, there's a problem. And other people go, no, that's, that was the whole deal. You know, the journey was the deal. You know?
0: Yep. Yep. That was just, yeah, the initial idea is just the carrot to put your butt in the chair and start, start writing. Um, I guess we're kind of in a tip and tool yeah mode here. yeah well
1: here's the tool and it's based on a technique that we really uh believe in and advance and and talk about uh, a bit um and we certainly mention it in the psychic defense manual but i think it's worth always looking at and i have a very specific uh target uh landing field for this one which is related to uh to your imaginative challenge uh, the tool at large is word substitution, uh, which I think is always a way of letting in some light, letting in some air, getting another perspective. You know That is the hardest thing in life, is to get another perspective and to not entirely lose one's own to start with. Uh, how we leverage that is, is very tricky. Um, and the aerial view, uh, the peripheral view, any way that we can think about and cultivate this as a discipline, as an intellectual, spiritual practice, Uh, and if we did this, this would be a way of breaking down the divisions that, you know, are just driving us all mad today. Uh, So word substitution is one simple way, at least it's simple as, you know, like like any tool. If it's a good tool, you can apply it to many different things, Um, but here's a, a proposition Let's take uh, a very contentious uh, field of words as in, and you've just referenced them in, the, in the, the, the challenge, of actual and real. Those are two words that I think are, are two of the most divisive uh, trigger words in, in English today. Uh, they're very confusing. Um, natural uh, might be another one thrown in there. Um, but for actual and real try to think about substituting local intimate or physical I particularly like intimate I'd like to blow intimate up out of its purely uh, sexual frame um, It isn't really purely that for most people it's uh, you know you can go to an intimate restaurant and no one's having an orgy there it's just you know. It's it means quiet. It's a certain lighting and tone. Uh, it, it's conducive to a certain kind of exchange. Um, it might lead to sex later, but uh, it also might be a place to uh, you know have an important business meeting or, or you know to say that you know the kind of thing to have an intervention you know. But wherever you sort of when you come across the words actual and real, think about local and intimate plugging those in, substituting that. I think that that alone will, will flip things around. I like local. Local has also a quantum sense for us of non-local operation, you know? Very interesting word. Local has a lot of bigger meanings, uh, and so does intimate. I think they're more interesting than actual real. So that's my tool.
0: I like that. That's good.
1: And here's the tip, which is kind of related to this. But everyone lives in some kind of official town or city of some kind. If they're getting any kind of... They have to have that for driver's license and official you know, credit cards and, and for maybe getting physical mail, you know, still. Uh, you live somewhere, right? Uh, okay. Here's the tip just, and this is again sort of it's, it's not just word substitution it's concept substitution uh, think about the phrase, you live in, say you live in Hinkley, Ohio what about, do you live in a Hinkley state of mind <laughs> you know? think about that, you know I mean, there's, you know, Billy Joel's song in New York, State of Mind, yeah. but think about being in a Hinkley State of Mind, you know, or a Steubenville State of Mind. I live in Boulder City, and when I put that formula, framework, into, into the mix, I think I do live in a Boulder City State of Mind, a Boulder City of the Mind. That's fine. I'm happy with that. I measure that as being something that makes me feel good about my local manifestation, my local presence. I think it's a good way to sort of look at where where we are, because where we are says a lot about who we are, you know? It really does. We've got to get to where we are. That's really kind
0: of important, you know? That's awesome. I, I totally agree
1: okay and I'll end with an a, a dream it was it was quite a lovely uh, dream just rich enough in detail uh, but also something easy to sort of wake from and I, I felt it was a good sign of um, I must have slept very very peacefully very peacefully because uh, all the signs of that were there um, but I had been invited to a kind of uh, giant summer workshop retreat, kind of like a, an Esalen Institute, but in a sort of tropical sort of environment. And I think I might have even thought that maybe um, uh, Terrence McKenna or the ghost of McKenna, both he and L- John Lilly, were heroes of ours, ended up in Hawaii. Uh, And that was strange, but it was kind of a a tropical sort of environment, and I was invited by uh, a host who vanished very quickly, I didn't get a really, really good look at, more of a a hospitality liaison than the actual owner of this grand, sprawling property, uh, to inspect the Garden of Witnesses. And. I have this really strange vibe. I've been reading a lot of, of uh, Greek, pre-Socratic philosophy and Greek mythology again. I was thinking of Daedalus, you know, the father of Icarus, the inventor of the labyrinth, and this sort of, you know, archetypal you know, uh, inventor, innovator uh, figure in, uh, in Greek culture. But worldwide, there are many references to something like that. And I was thinking that he was associated early with moving statues, the, the, the beginning of our uh, fascination with artificial life and robots. And there's just a huge, you know, this was in a very old mythology about that kind of thing. So I was expecting some statues to be moving and uh, that kind of thing. But no, it was absolutely beautifully, at first, empty people, and I realized that I was being allowed in kind of as the sole tourist for the moment, you know, only one person allowed on the island at any given time kind of thing. And yet there was a sound, going back to our notion of sort of electricity and that ambient noise, you know, of the refrigerator and the hum of lights and fluorescent tubes. Electricity does make noises, and the big power lines make noises. Uh, Sometimes like like suds in a bathtub drying out at the end. But all of that was gone. All of that was gone. And yet there was a kind of undercurrent of sound. And it was, you know, it was photosynthesis. It was the exchange of gases. It was this other kind. And I realized that all of the plants were incredibly alive. And the Garden of Witnesses, that's what was going on. But it was an awareness of a kind of level of life that any human framework just didn't fit. You know, the moving statue idea kind of crude, you know, and, and, and car, you know, caricature up against this beautiful sentience of another kind. And I woke up with this great sense of, wow, you know, mm-hmm. no, total lack of paranoia, no paranoia, but also no sense of like, wow, oh, there were some, you know, pretty weird looking plants there that were very dis- disturbing and scary, you know?
0: Uh uh-huh, Right. You know? Yeah. I've been I've been uh, reading a book called Pharmacopoeia, oh, okay. uh recently <laughs> by by Dale, Dale Pendle. Uh, it's actually not to get too crude, but it's the it's the toilet book, you know, because it's one of those that you can read a section of on the can. Yeah. It's got a it's got a good intro by Gary Snyder too. Um, but in that, I love the way that Pendle is uh, or Pendle is. You know, sort of posits the, the the idea of thinking plants and how plants think, and you know, sort of their role on the on the poison path, right? Because he considers himself a poisoner, because me- medicine is just poison at a different dose. Absolutely, it um, is. So, anyhow, that's a. I suppose that's neither here nor there, but that's what it, that's what sprang to mind. No, I right? think it's directly, you know? it's
1: directly connected. You know, it's directly connected. It's absolutely bizarre that we aren't. I mean, it's a defining feature of, of life and biology and, and another reason why we're here, you know? We wouldn't be here otherwise. Yeah, true. True, true, true. Well, on that note, I'm uh, holding on to a
0: young man who's awoken from his slumber. And um, I suppose that'll wrap up Lost Explorers for the day. It feels so cool to say lost explorers you know like what people ask uh you know oh so you have you have two podcasts oh my goodness what are they called it feels cool to say agitator and lost explorers yeah it's got an edge to it doesn't yeah. it? it's got this yeah it does uh, like i feel i feel cool cool when i say that you know and by the way with all due respect to the no the no country title brought us to some fascinating places so But Lost Explorers feels sexier, I think. Yep, more exciting.
1: It's it's where we're headed now, you know. Everything in its place and in its time, and no country serves some great purposes and got us out moving. And you know, no no regrets. But I I'm I'm glad that we are you know connected to the Lost Explorers idea because I think that's that's the the way that's the horizon the vibe.